Hi, I'm Pawi, and you're listening to Rappler Podcasts. This is Hustle, inside the industry where we talk to professionals and find out how they got here, why they're doing what they do, and what it takes to do it. As always, this is Pawi. And this is Tristan. We are part of Rappler's Hustle team. Last week, we had recess. Now it's cereal. So I, th- I feel like we're on a, a vibe right now, like a 90s, but also very comfort, cozy vibe. I it's like we are going for the chill nights these past months. So we had we also had indulgent eats oh, that's the true. week before last week, right? So we're doing yeah, food, Instagram, food, yeah. comfort. It's really a chill night here inside yeah. the industry. It's funny that you mentioned indulgent eats because that is probably the most similar to this current episode we have now. Today, we're going to be exploring brand photography and the overall business of creativity with Serial, a photography studio that works with brands like Jollibee and Magnum, but also smaller businesses that especially need the extra promotion during this pandemic. So to talk more about his profession and ultimately his passion, we have photographer and Serial founder Matt Lee. Welcome, Matt. Hey, hey man, guys. Hey, Bowie, Tristan. How are you guys doing? I think the elephant in the room is why the extra A. Is this is this like a typo? Na you stuck along with na lang para reply. And he submitted it. Submitted to the SEC DTI. Yeah. What an original question, Tristan. Thanks for asking. You know, I always say that I have like a philosophical answer, the one that like impresses people, and I have the one the the fun the fun useless BS answer. But essentially. The cereal was something that I kind of like stumbled onto um, from like where I <laughs> really st- stumbled onto literally because I'm quite a clumpy, clumpy person. Uh, but uh, it was something I never planned on, um, pl- planned on doing. So I kind of thought about it off the top of my head. Lang. Uh, but I wanted it to be something that was very familiar, something that people already knew. But at the same time, uh, provide a little twist to it, right? Something, something to... Uh, exactly break the ice to have a conversation about so it speaks a lot about our work as well we're in you know we're still doing something that's very commercial it's very relatable to brands but we always want to inject that little something special that makes people talk about it so yeah, that, that's the philosophical answer now i know what's the other one what's <laughs> the other one you said you had two answers <laughs> what's the real answer <laughs> yeah oh, the real answer is that um I was inspired by another studio in Jakarta um, oh. who does like this weird uh, like type of photography as well, but for brands. Uh, so they're called the table with two A's as well. So oh. I just uh, li- lifted that off. Yeah, there's, a, there's a movement going on with two O's. Matt, uh, I'm sure you have a very personal story behind all this. So why don't you tell our audience how you personally got started as a photographer and how it eventually led to setting up your own studio? It's so funny because I just clearly remember my first uh, exposure to like the DSLRs, the, the big heavy cameras back in high school. And I was almost like judging the like the, the people who were bringing it to school, parang they were showing it off. I was like, oh, it's kind of nerdy. It's a kind of nerdy thing to do. <laughs> the, the irony of it all. Um, but I really fell in love with uh, photography. It started my cousin's wedding um her her wedding photographer was a veteran my my idol Nelwyn Oi um and back then there weren't these like uh same day edit slideshows uh, <laughs> that wasn't a big thing yet. yeah um so you know we had a good time at the wedding in Tagaytay and then it wasn't until a month after that 
the photos were featured in a blog um, online when I actually saw the the photos and I was just so shocked that like that was the same event that I went to because um, there was there were these moments and there were these um, stories and emotions that would come out from from these photos um, moments that I did not catch at all right being fully present that's when I really said that uh, photography w- was something that I wanted to pick up as a hobby uh, no no plans of making it as a, as a career at that point uh, but yeah that's when I started to like explore like uh, the technical side of things like tinkering with the camera uh, all, all those things the moment where you find photography interesting that's like one thing and then when you actually tell yourself now okay I'm not just gonna admire it I'm gonna actually do it it really was just uh, a lot of tinkering with it you know I would really uh, when when you first get like one of those cameras it can do like the background blur and everything you just take pictures of everything from like your forks at home to like the little pebbles in there <laughs> and stuff yeah. um usually just like playing around but um I was quite a shy guy back in college I mostly kept to myself didn't have a lot to, to contribute like conversations and stuff because um pretty simple pretty simple guy but yeah with with photography I started to approach uh because of the want to do photography I started to approach different uh, organizations and kind of show them my work and you know they would ask me to do things like uh their promos or like this photo shoot for this and that and so it really exposed me to so many different kinds of people and so many different um, conversations and experiences. I didn't even realize it as it was going on, but uh, it was really building me and my identity uh, yeah. as the years went by. Sure. So uh, slowly I was coming out of my shell and um, yeah, I, I was really, really enjoying it because you know I started to feel a bit more confident about myself, getting to know a lot of new people and you know, when you have a camera, you know, everyone wants to be your friend, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was great. I, <laughs> I really owe a lot of my, I guess, I, I really owe a lot, a lot of myself and who I am today to photography. Yeah. So let's go into like the actual business side of things, man. So you mentioned, in a, okay, from this origin story, got an origin mm-hmm. story where you um, realized that uh, I was in the same wedding and then yeah. they made something beautiful out of it. Um, when you started freelance photography, how... Um, how did that happen? You said you were presenting, you were showing to clients, mm. but then like, um, what do basically freelance photographers need to know about the business side of things? You know, I would say that I took a very unconventional path. Um, more and more I found out about it, like just uh, recently when I, uh, the the photography community came together during the pandemic um, to forum like, uh, kind of like talk, talk about the, the industry and stuff. We call it a group called Tethered. Um, and people would share about, you know, their their path. They they took uh, fine arts or they took uh, photography in college and then they did like uh, advertorial route, going for publications and stuff. Uh, I had none of that. Uh, I had no idea how how even to, to get started. So uh, you could really say that I stumbled into it. Um, it wasn't it wasn't also that like I had a five year plan and by five years I would have <laughs> my own studio, things like that. It was really just a lot of like word of mouth. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I would just post, and not even posting to market anything. I wouldn't tell people I was doing this service or that, uh, just to share what, what I had to do. And um, I, I clearly remember I was working at my dad's company at that time. Um, 
as people do when uh, when they're in between <laughs> things. Um, and of course, as a millennial, you're doing the marketing. You know, spending all of your <laughs> all of the businesses. You're um, the expert, money, social media right? expert. Expert in spending. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would always get uh, like. I remember it clearly. Once a week, every weekend, I would have a job without even really promoting myself. Wow! So nice. um, the momentum really was there, and uh, I just had that fortune. Uh, uh, people were looking for were looking for this, and I was their choice. Of course, uh, when you started, like you didn't think about professionalizing anything, mm -hmm. right? Um, it was such a actually that was the most difficult. Uh, part for me was to get out of the mindset of being a freelancer. I feel like when you're yeah. a freelancer, you're just thinking exactly about like, okay, um, how much did I make from this, right? Um, and all of that kind of becomes your your earnings, right? It, it goes into your pocket. Um, and then, you know, after the job also, you don't think about things like building a relationship with your clients and uh, mm. uh, improving your craft and stuff like that. Mm. So um, it was a very... Uh, it was a very rocky i also didn't have anyone to ask uh ask advice from because yeah, my community was like uh i took up chemistry that was my first course so <laughs> nobody knew anything about business or photography so mm -hmm. um, wow. yeah i had nobody to ask and i was too ashamed to ask as well because i was you know a professional right <laughs> i should in my mind like i should know these things why am right. i asking it makes me look very like uh unprofessional uh, which isn't the case or and also maybe you're also insecure because like you said earlier you used to you used to judge people with dslrs and now you're like oh i have a dslr i have a question i'm Any one of them <laughs> <laughs> i'm one of them you said the magic buzzword which was a uh, freelancer which was uh, how you and how many of us uh, really uh, start uh, a career and maybe at, at this point uh, a lot of people have resorted to that but we want to talk now um about your studio serial how does one, someone like you graduate from, you know, being this, uh, just like uh, your uh, DBA, you're doing, but you're sole proprietor, but it's just your name, you know, like Matt Lee, to becoming a business owner. Like you said, light bulb moments, right? Um, and that could be different for each person, but it really is a self journey. You could attend all of these like TED Talks and YouTube, uh, uh, you know, workshops and everything, and people could tell you. That, right like what are the advantages of professionalizing for for me it was just realizing that this is not sustainable for somebody who's gonna end up you know uh end up building a life for themselves especially here in the philippines uh my uh one of my mentors uh miss harvey chua uh she she calls it parents incorporated so mm. you know uh your camera <laughs> might be sponsored your yeah. studio might be sponsored and yeah. so uh, it's a, it's a very unrealistic uh, way of running running your business because you don't cost properly, right? And the people who benefit from that actually um, isn't you getting to save up on expenses, but actually like it's the clients, right? And they get used to, uh, I guess, paying below uh, what is what is standard. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, then I realized that that's not gonna fly for long. You know, I, I probably you know while my parents are still supporting me. But if I love what I do, I'm doing, and I want to keep doing it uh, well into the future, uh, and things have got to change. And uh, for you to even get bigger projects or uh, you know bigger brands, it, then it's really about professionalizing and showing people the value that you can uh, give to them. Till today, I feel like my pride and joy really uh, was when it's not because of like. Uh, 
it was my biggest project or anything. Well, I guess it it, it is quite uh, big as well. But um, we were doing like blind bidding. That means that you know you don't get to see who the photographer is. Uh, you don't get to see how many people you're up against to shoot the production photos of Lion King here in uh, the, the Philippines. Wow, and yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, you remember when they came a couple of years ago. Um, and so uh, apparently the whole process was that they would, uh, the, the people who would select would be from Disney New York. Um, and, you know, I was already um, kind of like letting go of it because I hadn't heard back from them in months. Like mm -hmm. I had sent my portfolio, like, radio silence right um then then the the agency just comes to me and says matt you know you got you got the job just just uh, plainly like that um very like non uh non-eventful but at the same time like that experience of uh you know getting to meet the guy who composed uh circle of life uh, what? uh yeah What's his name? Not, sorry not to put you on the spot, but do, do you remember his name? That guy's a legend. In the after party, they were just like riffing off each other. Kind of like what you see in movies where yeah. people just burst into song. Oh, no. That's exactly what happens. Uh, yeah. New York is like that. People, that's just <laughs> New York, bro. New York. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go into your pandemic story. We talked about already like how you were doing before this, how you transitioned from freelancing to um, having your own studio and doing work with clients. But like how... Um, how did you pivot yourself amidst a pandemic? You know, I think I would describe uh, my pandemic experience as a stumble through as well. <laughs> uh, my whole life's just a big stumble through. Um, because, you know, the uh, unprecedented times, you don't really know what works and what doesn't, right? Uh, to be very to be very honest, uh, this, where, when the pandemic started, uh, we tried a lot of things that uh, may maybe in retrospect, we're out of uh, fear and desperation, right? Uh, you're, you're so afraid that nobody is booking and you're kind of idle while, while you know, you're, you're still, expenses are still going out every month. Um, so we tried some techniques or uh, some promotions. Okay. Uh, I remember one of the, the things that we did was like we charged as low as 5,000 pesos. Um, and we would, even, we would even discount it. To four thousand pesos, uh, just you know, just to just to get things going, and that was at the peak of the the first ECQ. And right? what what kind of shoots were these? Uh, just to, just to paint a clearer picture, like what kind of clients and what kind of shoots? I, I think uh, they they became a little bit common. Uh, we coined them a shoot from home, and then later on mm -hmm. we also saw other people saying, "Bro, shoot from home." Mm -hmm. So people would send their products. Not really much to go on. Whatever equipment we had on hand, whatever whatever props we had, uh, and then it would just be like a, a short, quick shoot. You know, people weren't spending back then because uh, everything was unsure. Sure, we would re also reduce the output, naman, uh, right, to justify the the lower cost. I would say that it, it even um, hurt the mm. the value or the perception of the studio. So mm. it wasn't all was that great. This was alongside your initiative, your setup initiative, or like, was it like part of it, Ren? Um Yeah, let's talk syrup. about talk about that a bit. So this this is the first thing that we did, you know, doing the shoot from home things, just trying to you know get get work out because nothing was happening at that point. And then we noticed that a lot of uh, a lot of studios were offering their services completely free, you know, uh, to to help out these these starting businesses. Uh, again. 
uh, I guess it, the intentions are very, really, really good, right? Uh, and we wanted to support each other at that time as well. But uh, at the same time, you know, it was setting up for uh, long, like, I guess like long term, it would hurt uh, mm-hmm. the industry long term because then people got used to, uh, you know, free free shoots and stuff. Uh, so uh, we wanted to still give back, uh, but we didn't want to just raffle it off or, mm-hmm. or anything. Um, so we thought about uh, making it a grant, uh, an application process, mm. and we wanted to make sure that we dec- we looked for people who would talk about um, first of all, are uh, had they been around for a while, right? Because uh, some people did make businesses just to get through the pandemic. We wanted to look at somebody who was looking more long term, right? And did they have any plans for like the next two to three years? Uh, secondly, we assess would fo- is photography really the problem for these businesses? Like, if we improve mm. their photos, right? But the product really point. isn't uh, sellable, right? Then are we taking away the opportunity for from somebody else to uh, to benefit from it? So it was like a whole panel thing. We had sixty one applications and like wow. three rounds of uh, discussions. That's great. wow. We ended up with uh, yeah, and then we ended up with two uh, small businesses, very different from each other. Yeah. Uh, who we ended up giving the grant to. Specifically, one of them is like basically like uh, been on the institution, right? And the other one is a student, was a student-run business, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so the, the first one is like historical, um, been around for 140 plus years, you know, uh, way back oh into the Spanish wow. Spanish era. Yeah, they were marching through. You had to uh, no? paint your... Sketch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Advertising on the cabayos, the calesas. Yeah, it was so admirable to see them still alive That's today, amazing. but also wow. reinventing themselves. So it was really about um, preserving that heritage. And also, it's very interesting because their, their influence is from like Spanish, Filipino, yeah. and Chinese uh, cultures. So parang, the way that we built we built a set for them that made it look like an old Binondo house. What? Um, and then, that, wow, that's a yeah. lot of value. We wanted it to be very nostalgic to our childhood yeah. where parang, we would be playing around while, you know, our our amas uncles were playing mahjong. And so, parang, we, yeah, we, we built out this entire set. We looked for things that were from the original restaurant, like their old menu. Um, and then, yeah, we recreated that story, but at the same time, parang made sure that the imagery, the imagery was still very engaging and very contemporary. Mm-hmm. So far, uh, in the in the specific examples that we've laid out, it's been predominantly food and beverage, of course, restaurants, and we know that that's a big part of your portfolio there at Serial. But I did want to talk about the other industries uh, that are not necessarily reliant, but are heavy, otherwise heavy photography clients, um, such as travel. Um, also, I know you personally, Matt, started uh, with weddings, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, and we know right. that all of these are some of the first ones you hear, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit, those are the ones that basically went like, right? Um, how are you seeing Philippine photography as a whole uh, pivot to cater, especially to uh, these industries. What what are the creative solutions they're they're doing? You know, when you think of innovation, I think 
uh, the first thing that comes into mind, right, when you think about um, imagery, would be things like uh, 3D or maybe like virtual <laughs> reality, stuff like that. Um, yeah. But but I think that's not the kind of innovation that uh, is very valuable to to us. It, it may not be face value to a lot of people, but uh, photography uh, in itself, like you said. Uh, uh, is so is so valuable uh, that that basically it can build uh, your perception or your or your image, uh, right? It could be of a brand, of a person, of a place you've never been to, right? So it's it's so so powerful, and uh, I think that I'm not saying with everyone, but uh, I think that there were some uh, some people tend to be opportunistic to kind of uh, lowball. And say that well, you know, it's easy for you to do photography because uh, it's just a camera that you've already spent on, right? There's no like real expense, so like this is the uh, like this is the price that that we're willing to pay. Uh, so I think that it's been a lot of like re-education and like showing people, hey, um, this is a big investment for you guys. It could be, it could really uh, bolster you up, you know, add add so much value to to your brand and the stories that you're telling. And you should see it as uh, as that an investment, right? And uh, but there are returns to be had if you uh, go with a really good photographer. So uh, I think a lot of those kinds of conversations are what's been happening during the pandemic among clients and photographers. Yeah, I want to expand on that since he mentioned um, there's also a change in dynamics basically when it comes to um, clients, brands, and photographers. So I'm sure that you said some are taking this opportunity opportunity to lowball photographers, but um, maybe you can paint us a picture of like how the client relationship changed um, amidst the pandemic. So like, do you see people do you see people valuing your work more? Do you see people like also yeah you you said you lowballing. <laughs> Maybe you can expound on that um, dynamic shift. Yeah, in, in all uh, in all honesty, uh, we've we've had you know uh, both ends of the spectrum, uh, and I guess same thing with uh, what we've experienced in our personal lives. Maybe you guys can relate to right that the pandemic has really made us reassess uh, which relationships are the ones that are valuable to us as well, right? And those are the ones who um, see your vision. Uh, know your value, appreciate you, um, and I guess pay pay you also what what you're worth, right? And those are also the kinds of clients who you have a good working relationship with. The output is uh, like your favorite output. Um, so it, then we realize that it's not about the quantity of different uh, clients that you're uh, engaging with, but it's really maintaining the quality of relationships mm. with mm-hmm. those you know yeah. value you. More than the online presence, it's just but um, being sincerely, um, you know, sincerely interested in keeping a connection with them. So um, without any agenda whatsoever, you know. So from time to time, I would check up on some clients. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. even just simple as like reply to their stories and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think all of us find ourselves uh, doing that these days, like on a personal social level, just like checking up people. Um, especially during these times, I think we've all gotten a little more. Uh, um, empathetic 
uh, in that yeah. regard. So so it's just it's hopefully. just fun, right? Well, hopefully, hopefully, I guess. Yeah, can't speak <laughs> Ayuda became a love language. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, We recently had a roundtable discussion with uh, people from the DTI uh, talking about you know just like the changing landscape these days, especially with uh, small businesses. And uh, one thing that I found very encouraging was that uh, it was mentioned looking ahead to the future that a rapidly growing sector right now is the creative sector, right? Uh, which you, uh, in, in this episode, in our convo, you know, represent. But notably, it's, it's not only is it growing, but it's becoming more encouraged, especially with the youth. Uh, and right. I, think, I think that that might hit a little uh, close to home for you, Matt, because, right, you were, you kind of, you had to take the plunge nowadays um, it's almost encouraged. It's like, hey, now we're seeing uh, what we thought were otherwise, you know, super stable jobs. You know, once the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. it's like, oh man, right. turns out that right. there, you know, there is, there are real life benefits to kind of um, being a little more enterprising, being a little more creative. So, so I did want to ask you, um, what what would you say to that? And especially for this newer generation. Of people who who are about to enter your field, uh, what what would you advise uh, for them? Well, first of all, is I think that you just have to uh, be be bold and take risks. Uh, expect to make mistakes, right? I think that uh, a lot of us are trained or you know conditioned now. Nah, oh no, you can't you can't make mistakes. Um, uh, but sometimes really the, that's really where you have to. That's really where the learning comes from. That's really where the growth. Mm-hmm. comes from you know i've had to learn that my own way as well um and then at the same time uh yeah know your worth right uh you might be uh doing this as a side hustle right now or you might eventually put up your own uh business you know regardless of regardless of which path that you do decide to take uh you will want to increase your your, your rates and your earnings from this mm. as you go along, right? Um, yes, you're putting in the hustle. Uh, you're accepting every job uh, early, early on. Uh, if you start to compromise your, let's say, your values and yourself, or maybe you lose your like your reason why uh, you're you're doing things, right? Um, you, you become a yes person. I think in the end it'll be to your detriment rather than to your rather than to your benefit. Right, so I think having that clear head and that clear vision, um, and yeah, sticking to your sticking to your values, it's so 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 important in the long run. How do you see the future of photography and like creative work in general in the Philippines in the coming maybe months years? You know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of innovations were brought about by uh, by the, the by the pandemic, right? Out of necessity, right? So, for example, things like being able to uh, do remote shoots where clients aren't uh, able to come come in, and that might open up opportunities like let's say uh, opening up our services regionally or internationally, right? Um, and definitely those innovations are going to be here to stay afterwards because they do improve you know the experience and the and, and the workflow. I do also think that those who uh, invest. In themselves, meaning um, maybe even though you're not making the most these days, yeah, you're you're uh, improving your equipment, you're honing your craft, you're um, investing in the infrastructure and in the systems. 
those are the people who uh, clients will remember past the pandemic and will want to will want to work with because uh, yeah the work didn't get compromised uh, regardless of everything that's everything that's happening. I think people are moving towards more uh, full service productions. So uh, in a way, we have been like double manning um, in in productions we're in. Uh, we might be the photographers, but sometimes we also bring props along, right? Uh, and or uh, people have also been looking for somebody who can do both photo and video. To, mm. Yeah, that's yeah, a to, thing. To, to take care of them, right? Because uh, yeah, they they want it to be very integrated and stuff. So yeah, then we look for uh, we look for partnerships, right? So if, for example, if we're not capable of doing mm. that, we can um, bring in somebody who we we trust, uh, who we have, have a good work working relationship with. Uh, so that we can be competitive to uh, to people and be attractive to the clients. Uh, what what's next for you? What's over the horizon in your future, um, and especially for Serial? Uh, we wanted to invest more in uh, how the experience could be better. So uh, after ba- much uh, internal debate, uh, we're deciding to uh, construct. Uh, Mm. It's a pretty cool space on a roof deck, so mm. um, where we're gonna be able to shoot like uh, content in uh, we call it uh, the, the Lanai area. Okay. Um, so uh, because people are always looking for like smaller spaces now where they can uh, produce their content safely, right? Uh, and like more um, I guess novel places as well. So Matt, just to wrap things up. Um, in this interview portion, I mean, you've shared a lot of wisdom, like a, it's a whole bevy of wisdom when it comes to a pandemic, um, to pivoting, to creativity, etc. So I just want to give you the opportunity to like share any last bits of advice, wisdom to all the young creatives out there watching. I think the biggest thing that, like, that I learned, uh, especially in the past few months, is just uh, uh, work with other people in mind, uh, you know, be, be others oriented. And just uh, like live with empathy, like how you were saying. Um, and you know, it might sound counterintuitive that uh, then you're not benefiting yourself, but you can you really see that it comes back tenfold. Mm. Love that! Wow, I'm gonna cut it. Yeah, nice. that's perfect note. We're not gonna wrap things up yet. We're gonna awesome move into our regular closing segment which is our play of the week we talked a lot about play work of the week. now it's time to talk about play any fun activities or recommendations for our listeners to unwind from the busyness of business i, I started consuming a lot of um content that's i guess you would you would call uh non-mainstream because uh you know, hipster. we're used to like, especially very like, not not necessarily hipster, but I guess we're very like uh, Western content, like American shows. Ah, okay, okay, okay. There's this one. There's this one show. Uh, it's produced in Japan, and it's very like Ooh. Japanese culture. It's called "What Did You Eat Yesterday?" And oh, it's about Netflix, these... yeah, I see that. Right. Yeah. Um, I see that. Yeah. Oh, I'm it's so check interesting that out. because you know Japan. You know, it's a, quite like a homophobic uh, culture, but okay. it's about these two guys who live together. They're, they're uh, boyfriends and it's just like very like slice of life nothing it's not like that uh sexual part of or you know mm. from the that whole 
it's not like eroticized in the narratives, yeah. right? It's just very okay. like normal relationship stuff. And then, syempre, Japan, so parang a lot of like beauty shots of mga food nila and like very detailed Ooh. descriptions of what they're eating. So it's very, it's so refreshing to, to see stuff like that. Speaking of Japan, like it reminds me, because I just want to um, add to that, like, yung, uh, like how refreshing it is to see things made from an Eastern lens. Because even Terry's house, before it got canceled house. <laughs> for the controversy, yeah. it was like revolutionary in a way. Kasi, it's like a reality show, pero walang walang nag walang You're just living in the house. Not like uh, you know, it's <laughs> not like PBB, you know, or it's not yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a the, different the point world. of view, talaga, yeah. right? That That's could cool. also be interesting and relevant to us. You're you're right, absolutely, yeah. Ako naman, like I um I'm actually hyped right now to get home. <laughs> no, I'm not nothing against the show, pero like, cause like I ordered books over the weekend, so I saw this IG shop. It's called Bookstore in the Rai. So they sell like Ooh. hard to find books. So it's like a dibbing system. Pawi um Pawi knows that we partake in this like dib dib systems so yep, yep. etc. Love it. So this one is a book. So they have book drops, and then they sell books that are quite hard to find. In the past, I had to order this book Karen, from one of wow. our book um one of our big um book chains. It, it took me like six to eight months. So dito wow. I get to see it. So like I ordered I. Put my dibs on four books and then uh, miraculously I got all of them. So what? I like to watch. It's um by Emily Nosbaum. So she's a Pulitzer Prize winning um uh, TV critic. And then I also got a book by Carmen Maria Machado. So mm. I talked about her in the past with her her body and other parties. So I got her memoir. And then I also got like this book of essays called Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in that. And last, the last book I got, na I feel like baka maging, um relatable for me. It's called um, Uncanny Valley by Anna oh. Weiner. So it's a, it's basically about this former publishing, um, and then she moved to um, Silicon Valley to work in mm. tech startups. So I think right now where we find ourselves in the crossroads of media and tech, that's something that I wanna get into. Then. So these cool. are mostly nonfiction books. So I'm just gonna binge. You got the rest of your 2021 reading cut out for you, yeah. dude. Okay, mine is related to kind of what both of your said. I'm gonna recommend a specific uh, audio book. Uh, it was called Caffeine uh, by Michael Pollan. Mm. It's a it's um it's an Audible original. So people who follow the show know yeah. that I like my audio books as well as my books. Um, I use Same. Audible. I, I've read a couple of Michael Pollan books. So if you're f- familiar with the author, he also did How to Change Your Mind, The Omnivore's Dilemma. Um, and so Caffeine was a nice chaser, if you will, um, because it's actually only a two-hour Audible exclusive. Uh, so it's basically like a podcast. And as with any of Michael Pollan's books, he takes a specific uh, topic. So something maybe that we take for granted culturally, such as caffeine or just like the, the kinds of food we eat. And then he goes historical, cultural, uh, biochemical, psychological, cool. and all of it. it. It's kind of like, you know what it is? It's kind of like explained. Like, like, like oh, I, I, do, yeah. I do like watching ex- Vox, ex- Vox's Explained, but right. like this yeah. one's like book form where they just like, they go into it from, from all angles. So you get a full appreciation. So yeah, caffeine. Um, I'll just share some, a quick, learning from that one one of my main takeaways from caffeine is 
in Michael Pollan's books, he, he talks about a thing called spotlight consciousness versus lantern consciousness. Spotlight consciousness <laughs> is like adults, we're like specialists. We, 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 mm. we kind of focus, we have like a rigid mm-hmm. view on things, narrow view. As kids, we have lantern consciousness uh, or babies where we just take in basically 180 degrees of information and we're just curious. Now, coffee enhances spotlight consciousness, which is why coffee is tied to productivity. If you have a specific task that you just have to do that task, uh, uh, that's why that's the benefit of caffeine. So, yeah, um, caffeine, oh, only two cool. hours of your time if you're on Audible. Nice. Okay. I learned something new today. <laughs> there you go. That's a fun fact. Tristan, that's a new segment. Fun fact. Write that down. Okay. That's about, oh, we have to fact okay, well, check. I'm prepared there, so. Okay. Next week, man. That's our. But but anyway, that's our time, everyone. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Matt, for a wonderful interview. Thank you, guys. It was really fun. I had a good chat with you guys. And how can other people keep up with you and Serial? Uh, so mostly active on Instagram. Uh, my personal page is where is Matt Lee, uh, and Serial is Serial Studio. That's with two A's. Uh, and we also have a website, so serial.com. So you can check us out there. Thanks, Matt. And thanks, everyone out there for listening. Want to also give a shout out to Rappler's production team. Thank you, Jaira and Nauki and our community team, Ivy and Fia. Oh, as well as our creatives team. If you haven't already, please follow Rappler on all platforms. You can catch us on Kumu by following Rappler.com. And you can follow The Hustle Inside the Industry podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you a new episode every Monday. So you can start your week with a little motivation. 